welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. Discussions on the origins of the French Revolution often mention the role of the Enlightenment. Indeed, the French Revolution, a period of political, social, and ideological upheaval, was centered around Enlightenment principles like citizenship, rights, liberty, and equality. But can a direct causal link from the Enlightenment to the French Revolution really be drawn? That's what we're going to talk about today. By no means can we do an in-depth analysis on the entire French Revolution, but we can talk about this specific thing and the intellectual origins of the French Revolution. All credit to the four sources for this episode. Uh, Please uh, check out those authors in the description. The idea that the Enlightenment led to the French Revolution actually has been around for a very long time, even before the revolution itself. This view that the 18th century Enlightenment intellectuals or uh, philosophers of the Enlightenment called the philosophes, the French kind of (laughs) word for philosophers, anti-philosophes, they thought that these philosophes were uh, conspirators seeking to undermine and destroy the established order. And they thought this back in 1760, long before the 1789 revolution. But did these philosophes actually have anything to do with bringing on the Enlightenment? Some think so, many don't. So what about... uh, the historians who do think the philosophes played a role in uh, the French Revolution. Many 19th century historians believed that the ideas of the philosophes were instrumental in shaping a revolution. The writings and ideas of the Enlightenment intellectuals, particularly their political theories and their criticisms of the ancien regime of France, seem to have created an environment where revolutionary revolutionary ideas could burgeon. The Ancien Regime was the system of hereditary monarchy that the French Revolution sought to overthrow. So a lot of these philosophes were critical of this regime. So maybe this provided a, uh, an environment where revolutionary ideas could fester and, and spawn this revolution. But many historians don't think this is the case. Historians point out that none of the philosophes themselves were even revolutionaries, and very few of them advocated for or even predicted a revolution. Most of the philosophes were intellectual elitists with arguably little regard for the common people. Uh, A lot of these philosophes believed that the the common people should have little to no role in, in government. This is totally against the French Revolution idea of the power to the people. Among the, uh, another thing, another issue with the idea that the philosophes uh, influenced the French Revolution was that most of the significant philosophes were actually dead long before 1789. Of the surviving ones who were around to see the revolution, many, uh, many of them rejected it, uh, leading late Enlightenment intellectual circles disliked the revolution. So these philosophes who supposedly uh, spawned the French Revolution actually were against the revolution, those that survived to see it. The philosophes' opposition to the revolution was consistent with their Enlightenment views, not an aberration, according to many historians. So not only did these 
ideas of the philosophes, according to some historians, uh, not go in line with the Enlightenment, they actually went against, uh, go in line with the revolution, excuse me, they actually went totally against the ideas of the revolution, according to many. So these philosophes, they were believers in a rational order and a scientific method, which the wild rhetoric of the revolution totally went against. The philosophes believed that the creation of a better world would never come from an angry revolution, but from a gradual, controlled, predictable reform. The rhetoric of the Enlightenment certainly was festering in France at the time of the revolution, but any hint that revolt might be justified came only in moments of exaggeration. It was less the core of the philosoph thought and more its marginal outgrowth really. So we'll talk soon about how it doesn't seem like the writings of the philosophes themselves directly were consumed by the masses and then this led to revolution. It may have been that the texts written about the Enlightenment texts that were over-exaggerated and, and put forth over-exaggerated critique against the regime, those are the things, the press, this is what spawned the revolution or at least influenced it. More again, uh, of this idea that the philosophes had very little to do with the revolution. So the philosophes had a belief in truth via reason. Masses of people doing radical things does not match with this idea of reasonable, logical thinking. Voltaire, one of the luminaries of the Enlightenment, said, I do not like the government of the scoundrel. The philosophes did not want to be the destroyers of kings like, like the masses of scoundrels did. They wanted to be the advisors of the kings. They were more on the side of the Ancien Regime, many historians say. So the revolution's attack on the king and, and France's order by mobs of these ignorant scoundrels, quote-unquote, actually represented the worst fear of the philosophes, according to many historians. So now all this debate one way or another, none of it really matters if the French don't have any way to read these philosophes. And more on the side of uh, the philosophes possibly having a role in the Re French Revolution was that there was an increased availability of books in general around this time, and this seemed to create a more critical population in France at the end of the 18th century. In earlier centuries, most readers had access to only a few texts, usually those of religious or political authority, the Bible. These texts were considered authoritative, precious and not open to question in any way. You don't question the contents of the Bible. That's, that's the truth. That was the idea. In the 18th century, though, especially after the Enlightenment, there, was, uh, there were these more critical ideas, these let's be logical, let's, let's be critical about these things. And there was not only these ideas festering, but there was also an increasing availability of texts and increasing forms and genres of these texts. This allowed readers to compare and contrasts, contrast all sorts of texts. They didn't just have the Bible on their bedside table. Now they might have had uh, the Voltaire's, the, the Rousseau's, the, the texts of the Philosophes. They might have had this and that. We'll talk later about how maybe they didn't have those on their bedside table exactly because a lot of these books were banned too. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. But there was an increasing availability of, of books and, and texts and... This might have created these more 
critical habits of the reader, and these habits of mind were eventually applied even to texts that were once considered authoritative. So these habits of reason and logic now started to be applied to the Bible, also in this Enlightenment sentiment. Now, following the initiatives of Voltaire, even Holy Scripture was treated by some readers as just another literary text. So this is back to, this is really in this debate about the role of the philosophes in the revolution. So though they themselves may have been against the irrational idea of revolt, the ideas they put forth in their texts unknowingly may have contributed to revolution. So like, look at Voltaire. He's against these scoundrels who would possibly be revolting, but at the same time, he's questioning the Bible. So he is a, a being so he's critical and this way of critical thought might have influenced these very scoundrels that he was opposed to on the surface. So overall, um, a more critical and engaged reading public accustomed to questioning authority was generated with the increasing availability of texts, it seems. More on this uh, role of texts uh, in, the, in the origins of the French Revolution. Scholars have made the link between the subversive rhetoric inside pre-revolutionary pamphlets and the revolutionary plans that were actually enacted throughout France. So maybe the maybe the uh, what we really have to look for is not the actual texts of the philosophes, but these pamphlets that were around. The explosion of print more generally may still have played a role in the revolution, even if there is little evidence that the rural population knew knew much of these propagandist texts. However, even if there is little evidence for the population's interests in some of the incendiary texts, the revolution may have been influenced by texts that weren't accounted for in research. So there is little evidence that the, the, these, these masses of people didn't have Voltaire or Rousseau on their bedside table. A lot of them couldn't really understand a lot of the things they were saying. They were very sophisticated. Um, but maybe the texts that were influencing the revolution were not accounted for in research. The French population during the time of revolution seemed to have a marked predilection for desacralizing works, works that were subversive to the revolution. The lesser known illegal texts that weren't accounted for, for in scholarly research may have been responsible for transmitting anti- uh, anti-monarch messages to the French public. These texts communicated very simplified Enlightenment ideals to readers who were unable to comprehend the original uh, esoteric Enlightenment texts. So there were these more libelous, uh, desacralizing works that were that were around that, that had nothing to, only a little bit to do with the actual uh, texts of the philosophes and these works that were more incendiary that went against the the establishment a little more and made it more simple for the people maybe these were the things that were absorbed these texts were communicating simplified enlightenment ideals to readers and it may have been in this underground literature that uh where where the influence of the for the french revolution came from but then again how can you cogently make an argument for something that has no proof. You can't just say uh, these original, these underground uh, pamphlets were what, what sparked the revolution. There's no evidence for it in the research. They, 
So this is just, uh, yeah, there, there's really no evidence for this. They, they, people know that these types of uh, extreme texts were around, but if, if there's no evidence for it, then it's hard to make an argument that uh, these texts really sparked the revolution. What there was proof for, though, was the idea of these simplified enlightenment slogans really getting to the masses. These very simplified, quick-hitting things, they were getting to the masses for sure, especially in the 1780s. An embittered style of, of popular journalism arose with writings of hatred towards the privileges of high society while peddling very simplified enlightenment slogans. So they were taking stuff from the philosophes, distilling it and giving it to the masses. And this might have influenced the people, even if the texts of the philosophes themselves directly did not influence the people. So though there was no proof of, for the masses ingesting content from uh, many of, of these texts, there, of the uh, texts of Rousseau, of, of, of these Enlightenment thinkers, there is proof that they consumed journalism that did made a make a mockery of France. And this journalism was inspired by the Enlightenment rhetoric, albeit very oversimplified. But there is perhaps a link there. So there does seem to be some sort of an association between the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, even if the connection hangs only by a thread. This is... It, the, some of this, when I was reading it, it kind of seems like a stretch. So this is why it perhaps uh, sounds like a stretch as you're listening right now to how the Enlightenment influenced the French Revolution, because some of it is. It's hard to find proof for all of this. And, and it really, none of this, uh, none of this even really matters if, if people couldn't read, which many people couldn't uh, shortly before this time. But increasing literacy rates did uh, allow them to consume perhaps more enlightenment texts. There was a, also a high correlation between literacy, literacy rates and revolutionary activism at the time, whereas there was, in areas of low literacy, uh, there was counter-revolutionary activity. So there is some kind of a link there between uh, the more reading, the more digesting, perhaps these enlightenment texts, the more revolutionary activism there is. Now, what about uh, more on against the role of these texts and, and the Enlightenment sparking the revolution? You look at Rousseau's social contract, which is a seminal Enlightenment text. It was little known before the revolution, actually. In Mornet's survey of 500 private library catalogs, Mornet found just one single copy in 500 people's full catalogs and libraries. He just found one copy of uh, the social contract, which is a legendary Enlightenment text. So how can you say the Enlightenment sparked the French Revolution if one of the main texts of the Enlightenment isn't even being consumed uh, by the public before the revolution? Subsequent investigations have also struggled to detect subversive Enlightenment works. Why is this? Like, is it true that there was only one person out of 500 who owned Rousseau's social contract? Maybe not. Maybe they had to hide these books because most classic Enlightenment works fell victim to government censorship at some point or another during this time. Very few Enlightenment texts had government approval or state protection, so owners did tend to hide them away. 
Uh, further, Enlightenment classics, one, were not likely to be reviewed in, in state-tolerated periodicals, and two, were not likely to be listed in printed library or book sale catalogs, since these catalogs themselves were censored prior to publication. So the word didn't really spread about these Enlightenment texts and it, you, if you owned one, it was, it, was, it was illegal to own. These were banned books. So looking at these figures of uh, one library catalog had Rousseau's social contract, it may not be very helpful in establishing a link between the Enlightenment and the French Revolution. Again, though, let's not forget that the underground illegal texts may not have been included in these types of surveys. Indeed, many of these illegal books were hidden away and they wouldn't be recorded in any of the uh, historians' surveys of personal libraries. But still, where's the proof for these underground texts that were circulated so rampantly before the revolution? Uh, there's no proof that these texts, uh, these Enlightenment texts, actually stirred up enough commotion to cause the revolution. Also against the role of texts and Enlightenment ideals on this, <laughs> I could have easily titled this episode All the Ways the Enlightenment Has Nothing to Do with the French Revolution, it seems, but, but, uh, because there's a lot of historians just find no link. Sophia Rosenfeld has chronicled how certain pamphlets uh, galvanized public opinion and incited the North American Revolution, in a way, but scholars have found no similar impact of texts on the French Revolution. In fact, counter-revolutionaries actually used the Enlightenment notion of common sense to sway the people against the uprising. So. <laughs> it, the Enlightenment principles actually went against the revolution's uh, principles. Counter-revolutionaries, they argued, or the, the anti-philosophes, they argued that common sense did not embrace or even respect revolutionary goals in any way. Against the role of the Enlightenment, again, uh, having anything to do with the French Revolution, not this time more generally, Lester Crocker has declared that no general historically important account and interpretation of Enlightenment political thought has yet been written that would reveal the relationship between thought and practice. Similarly, Thomas Schleich asserts that no direct connection between Enlightenment ideas and French revolutionary events has ever been demonstrated. Despite a long history of inquiry into the subject, direct links simply have not been found. So we can't really find the best link in these texts uh, or the philosophes even in creating the revolution. What about the role of social circles and the public sphere? Well, alongside the reading revolution, there emerged a rational and critical bourgeois public which operated in a public sphere that was autonomous of state control. These individuals both critiqued and shaped the political choices of government. So they shaped government on an ideological level. Governments needed public credit and support for their military policy, so they needed support from these public spheres. And these public spheres also shaped government in the realm of practical politics. The judgments and opinions of the public came increasingly to be seen as definitive. So. The idea of these public spheres shaping government, for instance, was even communicated by Louis XVI himself. He said, 
I must always consult public opinion. It is never wrong. So this public sphere that may have, uh, so that was, that was talking about these public spheres who were discussing enlightenment principles, it took two main forms, printed products and institutions like debating societies, scientific acad academies, and reading circles. Members of the public could discuss ideas and political news in these new institutions. By the late 18th century, around the time of the revolution, a growing public was becoming involved and demanding a say in public policy discussions. The public sphere allowed ideas subversive to the Ancien Regime to be communicated in various milieus. This is the same thing that happened with the Industrial Revolution, where many people in Britain through the Royal Society were connected to the happenings of the Enlightenment through uh, through the Royal Society, and, and, and knowledge was diffused across British society, this made Britain more technologically creative because they were getting this knowledge through the Royal Society. So the Enlightenment, we, we did mention that just in the last episode of the Enlightenment did influence the Industrial Revolution. In the same way, these social circles that fostered political debates about these Enlightenment topics... Uh, they may have played a role in engendering the revolution. But still, every time we, we find a thread, few scholars claim a direct link between these social circles and the revolution. It's so hard to prove causality for the French Revolution because it was far from just one simple occurrence. It was a series of occurrences, and that's why we can't do an in-depth analysis on the whole thing. Because of the difficulties to connect the Enlightenment with the French Revolution, there are countless historians then who do not believe the Enlightenment to be associated with the French Revolutions. <laughs> as far as I've looked, it's just, it's, I, I kind of went in, I went in wanting to do an analysis on the entire French Revolution, but I knew there was a, there, there's been talk about how, I've heard it, or I've read it about how the Enlightenment seemed to have sparked the French Revolution. So I looked into it, and this is what I found, that many scholars actually don't find that much of a link. Let's close out with uh, why, why it happened in France, really, and why nowhere else in Europe? Why did this uprising happen in France? It's a political uprising. The Industrial Revolution happened in Britain, we know that. And a cl close time point, I believe 1960, don't quote me on that, but I'm already forgetting from last week's episode, but I believe uh, about 30 years earlier than the French Revolution. But, but why didn't political uprising happen anywhere else? Well, it seems that in other European countries, there was the tendency for intellectuals to be incorporated within the hege hegemonic order. Let's look at England. Intellectuals and artists there, while often vocally anti-king or anti-ministry, just like those in France, still identified themselves with the causes of the nation at large, and they tended to be patriotic. Many French intellectuals and artists were not like this. They, were a, they weren't exactly patriotic. Not only did they go against the, uh, the regime like the British did, they also weren't patriotic to, to their country too. So... Any activities of independent writers, industrialists, propagandists, and critics in Britain were of no real threat to the state because they were just incorporated in the order over there. In France, they were perhaps more of outcasts. 
in England, any tensions that existed did not reach a boiling point because the state had already given liberty of expression and plenty of scope for the development of civil society and the economy during this time. Look at how this contrasts with France, where you, could, you couldn't even read anything. You, these Enlightenment texts were banned. But in, in other areas, there was already this liberty, and it, they didn't need a revolution, frankly. So this is the idea of how when the masses are suppressed, it leads to an uprising. When the masses weren't suppressed in other areas of Europe, they had no reason to revolt. They had free liberty of expression. Uh, there were, there were, perhaps there were censored texts, but not on the scale of, as it was in France. And when you suppress the masses, something's bubbling underneath. Whether the Enlightenment uh, threw something into the pot there, nobody really knows. It does seem to, though. There, it, there does seem to be a link, and we're going to close it out with kind of a final thought on that. And although historians um, say it would be extravagant to imply in any way that the French Enlightenment caused the French Revolution... The Enlightenment did seem to at least help create a situation in which ideological loyalty to the old regime became eroded. So the bridge connecting Enlightenment and Revolution remains elusive, but at the very least, similarities between the ideas of the Enlightenment and the French Revolution do exist. The energy created by the Enlightenment thinkers may have charged the social unrest in 18th century France. Though they perhaps did not mesh perfectly, the Enlightenment and the French Revolution were certainly interlocked as part of a larger movement towards liberty. It's just interesting, the link between um, ideas and historical movements, and although that link is difficult to establish, it is at least interesting how these ideas play a role in such groundbreaking movements like the French Revolution. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Um, I know this this one was incredibly dense. I'm even acknowledging that just as I'm reading my notes. Um, but thank you guys for listening every week. I really appreciate you guys. Um, and you guys know we're growing our community through word of mouth. So if you liked it, just share it with uh, someone who you also may feel uh, like we'll, we'll be interested in this French Revolution or even history. We're almost done the revolutions. Um, agricultural we did industrial <laughs> we'll never be almost done the revolutions but we're almost done our month of talking about revolutions one more to go uh, and next week we'll we'll figure out what that is um if you're listening on apple Podcasts as well you guys leave a rating click on the podcast in the shows page scroll down and and rate the podcast whatever you guys do to support you know listening and watching is always plenty i, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning into the insightful thinkers podcast um it's a late night here i'm <laughs> quite tired recording this episode and i i've recently uh it's recently occurred to me that the australian listeners these episodes are not coming out on monday i say we'll be back next monday these episodes are not coming they're coming out on tuesday late tuesday because it's late late night monday here and i'm way in the west i'm in the western side of the western world so <laughs> I'm going to have to start releasing uh, earlier to accommodate the Australians, um, hopefully next week. But uh, as always, we will be back. We'll be back next Monday for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody.
This podcast is a production of Insightful Thinkers Media.